Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 as we're explaining biblical prophecy. This series, this mini-series, we're looking at biblical prophecy as summarized by the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And in this episode, we're looking at Israel and the prophetic clock. Everybody know, wants to know what time it is. Uh, I have friends and family members who know that I like to study the Bible and have a particular interest in biblical prophecy. I can remember one lunch I sat down and someone asked me, is this it? This is even before we ordered. And I have to ask, uh, is what it? What are we talking about? Well, is this the end? Are we close to the end? And I've had people email me and ask me, is uh, President uh, so-and-so the Antichrist or is um, so-and-so the false prophet? You notice I'm not giving names. Or was this event the final abomination of desolation? Now, there are Protestants and Catholics uh, writing articles, making statements, writing books, and doing podcasts, proclaiming that the end is very near. And I'm not going to at all take objection that the end, you know, isn't near. I mean, it could be near. But in a lot of these statements that I see made, it seems that we're forgetting something when we imagine that the end is in the immediate, I'm talking about the very immediate future. And there's a section in the catechism where it's summarizing biblical prophecy, the end times. It's in section 674. It's one of the forgotten sections of the catechism. My recommendation would be every time you read an article and saying, uh, this is it. <laughs> this is the end. It's the next thing is just the second coming of Christ. Just get out your catechism and just read those few sections regarding the last things. And you'll come across 674, which says the glorious Messiah's coming is suspended at every moment of history until his recognition by all Israel, for a hardening has come upon part of Israel in their unbelief toward Jesus. Now, the catechism is saying that there isn't going to be what we call the end. Is it it? No, this isn't it quite yet. We could be very close, and what's described here in 674 may take a relatively short period of time, but it says the, the clock, so to speak, the, the countdown clock is suspended. Hold. We're in a hold every moment of history until Jesus Christ is recognized by all Israel. Now, here's where you get a, a rather vast separation in contemporary American culture in regard to prophetic things. The rapture at any moment, folks, believe that the nation Israel will be restored 
as a kingdom or as a political entity, they'll be restored for a thousand-year period after the rapture occurs. In other words, the bulk of the church, which at this point in history are, are Gentiles, okay, they get raptured up, We and in their scenario, that follows a very difficult period, and then the millennium comes with the coming of Christ, and that's the nation Israel restored, kind of like the kingdom of David in the Old Testament is blessed in an incredible way in the future. So believing that, you see how they view Israel opens the door for their belief in the end of things or the rapture at any moment, because there's nothing standing in the way of current events and the rapture because the future, the promises, the blessings to Israel are future, after the rapture. It's not what the church has traditionally believed. It's not what the catechism believes. And you're going to see quite clearly this is not what the scriptures teach. So when it says that all Israel, uh, that's that's what the, the clock isn't going to reach time gone. It's, it's, it's time for the judgment day. It's not going to get there until all Israel comes to faith in Christ. So what do we mean when all Israel comes to believe in Jesus? Now, again, our rapture in any moment folks tend to look at the nation Israel today as the first fruits of what this blessing of the kingdom of Israel Uh, after the rapture and the second coming and such. Well, there may be some similarities, and this gets rather complicated, but at least at present, it's not correct to look at the remnant of the Jews in Israel as this huge collection of faithful believers. I just went to uh, Google yesterday and found a picture of the Tel Aviv June Pride Parade. There were a quarter of a million homosexuals marching in pride in the capital, Tel Aviv, which is now being moved to Jerusalem. Tel Aviv, that same article saying it has a world-class status as a gay-friendly party destination for the world. So it's not exactly... um, what you would expect for this righteous kingdom. So you need to be careful. What do we mean by all Israel? Now, the rapture at any moment folks have a underlying philosophy to their belief, and you may or may not know this, but they'll just simply assert that God's plan for redemption is a separation of Jew and Gentile. Now, that was true uh, given the time in the Old Testament But we're now in the New Covenant, and to assert that in the New Covenant is to make an error of monumental magnitude, because Jew and Gentile are not separated in God's purposes. But how their plan works, they simply make the assertion that there'll be a a difference in the plan of salvation, a timing of salvation between Gentile and Jew. They make the assertion and then they go to the Bible to prove it. This section 
in the Catechism 674, talking about all Israel, has a very important footnote to Romans chapter 11. And Romans chapter 11 has the imagery of an olive tree. And the olive tree initially had branches of the Jews. And they were unfaithful and they were cut off. And then the surprise of all surprises, and this is where St. Paul's mission in particular was so critical, was that the Gentiles were grafted into that same original olive tree, okay? And then you come to Romans 11, verse 25, talking about, now Gentiles don't get too haughty and certainly don't forget the Jews because God hasn't forgotten them, just like the catechism says. It says, lest you be wise in your own conceits, I want you to understand this mystery, brethren. A hardening has come upon part of Israel until the full number of Gentiles comes in. And so, in other words, after this period of history, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Now, when it says all Israel, just like the full number of Gentiles, doesn't mean every single Gentile, doesn't mean every single Jew, but it means a dynamic, widespread, comprehensive conversion of the Jews. So it starts off with the Jews. They were cut off. Gentiles grafted in, and then we forget. Oh, this is it. This is it. There's nothing standing in the way of the uh, Sorry. Uh, Catechism 674 is absolutely right, citing the biblical passage outlining this whole thing, the prophetic clock, unlike simply making a declaration that God has a separate plan of salvation in the new covenant for Jew and Gentile. I'm sorry. That is contrary to Scripture. You can make certain assertions that you want to use to interpret the Bible, but it's worth looking if your assertions actually deny explicit declarations of Scripture. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 3, St. Paul says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles— right? This is his mission, this Jew going to the Gentiles. This is phase two of the prophetic clock, so to speak. The mystery was made known to me by revelation. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of man and other generations, and has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Well, what's What's the big mystery? What didn't they get? Verse 6, Ephesians 3, how the Gentiles, the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Okay? Gentiles are fellow heirs, and they are grafted in you might say, to the Jewish olive tree that the Jews were cut off from. But St. Paul says before history ends, they will be grafted in, so both Jew and Gentile. That's the message that St. Paul went all around the Roman Empire declaring. 
It's even clearer in his epistle to the Galatians, chapter 3. It says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all, A-L-L, all sons of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, for you are all one, O-N-E, not two separate plans, one plan in Christ Jesus. So if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. And by faith, Jew and Gentile can be plugged into the great promises God gave to Abraham, the father of all the faithful, Jew and Gentile. And to separate these plans and all this is just a huge mistake. And to be a Gentile and just say, all I want to do is go be with Jesus, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, is this it? Is this the end? Well, not quite. And as Gentiles, and I'll speak first person, I have a tendency to forget the Jews. Why? Well, well, Gentiles are in, okay, but that's not the plan. The plan is to include both Jew and Gentile. So I can pray Maranatha, that eschatological prayer, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. But at the same time, we want to pray for the conversion of the Jewish people. And my suggestion is just Google some older Catholic prayers for the conversion of the Jews. And along with Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, pray for the conversion of the Jews, and then it will be it. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 323 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com. Thank you.